Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm, and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical, a focus episode where I sit down with local leaders to discuss the topics of the day. I'm going to start with a warm Collisions welcome. Cam Lakey, the CEO for Alberta Machine Intelligence Institute. How are you doing, Cam? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for coming on. I was, you know, online learning. I'm, you know, d- diving down the AI machine learning rabbit hole, and I was, I, just, I sat at a virtual conference in Europe of all places, and they were talking about Amy, and you were on there. So I trusty LinkedIn. I punched it, link, you know, reached out, and you guys got back to me. And we're willing to come on the show. So I, I thought it was a bit sad that I had to go all the way to Europe on a virtual conference <laughs> to learn about this amazing institute that's taking place right in our province. So let's start with that a little bit. Your background and what Amy's all about, and let's see where the conversation unfolds. Yeah, so I'll give you the quick, I guess, Amy overview right off the bat. Um, So Amy's been around for almost 20 years now, Um, started out as the Alberta Ingenuity Center for Machine Learning. So uh, back in the day when there was Alberta Ingenuity and they they had a whole bunch of funding for centers, Uh, you still see a number of them across the province. And um, a group of four people at the U of A uh, came together. So Randy Gable, Jonathan Schaefer, Russ Greiner, and Rob Holty came together and said, hey, we have this great group in machine learning. It's going to be this incredibly important technology over in the coming years, and we should have a center around this. So they put together a proposal and got some initial funding from the province. And so, you know, by brilliant foresight, accident, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, the province was investing in machine learning when almost nobody else in the world, there's very few places in the world investing in machine learning at the time. Um, because of that, we were able to recruit some really incredible people here. Um, each of them have their own incredible story about you know, how they got to where they were and how they ended up here. Uh, but people like Rich Sutton, who is the father of reinforcement learning, um, you know, he came here and started the reinforcement learning in our official intelligence lab, got some extra funding through i another um, you know, funding by the, the province had at the time. Um, you know, we're able to recruit people like Mike Bowling, Chaba Shepar Savavi, who I whose name I just totally butchered, Dale Sherman's you can kind of go down the go down the list here. So um, you know, over that time collected about twelve of the top people uh, in the world, twelve world leading machine learning researchers um, to to the U of A to here in Edmonton, um, and really started building out this incredible, incredible machine learning group, incredible fundamental machine learning group. Um, I'm going to jump in for a second because I'm just yeah. curious. Like I make a joke often that you know when's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago, yeah. 20 years ago today. Somebody had the foresight to plant that tree 20 years ago. How far ahead of the curve what, were that group of individuals 20 years ago to like machine learning what? Like what seems to be almost table talk today. Not saying we always know what we're talking about when we when we drop the AI ML, but it's, 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 it's commonplace. But 20 years ago, that was a pretty obscure little rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, you know, I don't think the people at the time felt it was obscure. Um, okay. Probably outside of it, they lo- they looked at it as that. Um, but yeah, I think within that group, they saw you know more and more of what you know the types of things that you could do using uh, using these technologies. And so I wouldn't say I don't think they necessarily maybe they had the foresight. Somebody else can you know hopefully they wrote something down at the time that that proved that they had the foresight of what uh, the industry was going to be at the time. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think they knew for sure it was an important technology and that the results of which you could see ending up being used in many, many different industries. And so I think that that idea and that foresight was there. 
Um, and the fact that, you know, there was an opportunity to invest and attract some great minds here because of that was really big. And like I said, there wasn't that much funding worldwide, um, you know, universities or in regions around, uh, around AI and machine learning specifically. So they were definitely ahead of the time in a, in a sense there. And was it curious, was it a bit of a slow burn or did it just, if you look back at the trajectory over the last 20 years, was it slowly and then all of a sudden, or was it just something that was gradually building and just kind of going on, you know, and maybe under the radar to some, but not under the, under the radar to others. And certainly when it got on, the more I learn about what you guys are doing up there and what's happening in Edmonton, it's just every layer of the onion just gets more impressive against what's happening. <laughs> you and I joked in Calgary right under our nose, but maybe <laughs> Calgarians aren't there, Albertans aren't the best at touting their own horn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think within the group, it probably felt like the same all the way through and that, you know, there was a couple of really key things. So one, the initial um, investment from the from the province, which was Alberta Ingenuity, and then, you know, eventually a large chunk of that became Alberta Innovates now, um, you know, and their support was this five-year, I think with a five-year renewal at the time. So they kind of had a 10-year window to be able to really focus on just continuing to look at what was going to be in the future and to be able to continue to, to invest um, and continue to do that fundamental research um, that both was, you know, we're seeing the results of now, but also we're seeing the results of the people that were attracted here to be able to do that with them and be able to grow that out. So I think that was one really big thing. You know, if you look at how things took off, probably, you know, eight years ago now, I mean, this was starting to have the, like the convergence of, uh, the like compute power to be able to run a lot of these things. So all of a sudden deep nets that, um, you know, we were able to run on GPUs as an example. So all of a sudden you started to see that unlock some of these kind of bigger potential things. Um, but I think, you know, I would say if you, you could kind of go back and look at the, the research papers and stuff over time is that it's kind of this continuing, this continuing um, iteration probably that felt like the the most within that group. Okay. Versus, you know, like you said, there's a, maybe we should just for the sake of the audiences, uh, I hate living in a world of acronyms and, and, and yeah. assuming people know we have a province that's runs on acronyms. Um, AI, machine learning, deep learning, maybe just, if you don't mind giving us kind of the one-on-one, just break that down and then we can kind of circle back to it. I'm just really appreciating anybody who's about to check out because they're like, I don't even really know what these guys are talking about right now. Let's bring them inside the tent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking to this class the other day. I said, uh, I was like, yeah. And then like VCs look at this and somebody's just put their hand up and they're like, what's a VC? And like, oh, venture capitalist. Sorry. Like you just get so used to these acronyms. So yeah. Um, you know, and with forgiveness to everybody, you know, who I'm going to get whatever their own definition of artificial intelligence or machine learning wrong. Um, you know, I mean, artificial intelligence, you know, to me is a very broad area of how we, uh, think about computers making very human-like decisions, um, and to be able to do very human-like things. Um, and now that's pretty all, all encompassing, whether it's, you know, natural language, computer vision, whether it's being able to learn from data, it's this pretty broad kind of overall thing. Now, if you kind of break that down a little bit smaller and what's become probably the biggest chunk of AI now, it's machine learning. And that's really this idea of machines being able to learn from data. So not being programmed about whether something's a dog or a cat or, you know, how to properly you know, have your robot vacuum cleaner dock or any of these things. It's here's the goal that you're trying to achieve, or here's a whole bunch of um, 
you know, pictures of labeled pictures of dogs and cats? And can the machine learn to adjust and learn um, to be able to make those predictions and make those decisions itself? And so really, that's, I would say, the biggest mind shift when it comes to machine learning is that learning piece where it's less about having a human hard code everything in and more about letting the machine learn from the data signals that that it has coming in to be able to make predictions. So that's a really big thing. What you've seen in the last probably five years and what there's probably the most, you know, we'll call it hype around would be deep learning and reinforcement learning. Um, So deep learning is this, you know, brain inspired um, thing where it's using the the idea, the concept of uh, of neurons and the way our, our brains operate um, and modeling that kind of in a, in a mathematical sense to be able to do the same thing, um, you know, using computers. So that's what it's really allowed is to have this really, really um, complex data and to be able to, to make approximations and make decisions off of that. So if you think about a picture, you know, can have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of pixels in that picture. So to be able to learn, you know, what part of a picture is the person's face and their eyes and, you know, try and find all those edges, all those things are something that um, neural nets became very, are very, very good at. Um, and, uh, you know, have been one of the big things in the last year that we've seen be used a lot for things like speech, things like images, that type of stuff. Um, reinforcement learning is a little bit of a different look at how you would do machine learning. And it's a very animal-like or human-like way of, of making decisions. So it's more about saying, here's the goal and an agent basically making a whole bunch of decisions and learning from the decisions of the, that they're making to be able to achieve that goal. So instead of me you know, programming uh, a robot to get from point A to point B, it would learn over time the best way to get uh, to get to those places based on the experience and its own decisions, which you can think of as very similar to how, you know, a kid, um, you know, or somebody would learn, right? Or a a cat or a dog is they're they're learning based off that experience. And that's very much this uh, reinforcement learning um, idea. And you're seeing uh, when you see, you know, uh, computers learn to play Atari better than humans or learn to play chess better than humans, these types of things. Uh, that's largely driven usually by a combination of deep learning and reinforcement learning. Um, but the reinforcement learning idea is really it playing that game and learning from playing the game how to improve, which is you know what we do when we play games. That's so interesting. Just to, again, maybe asking a silly question, but that reinforcement aspect is at what at what part are humans involved or separate? Like humans kind of set up the trial or set up the learning opportunity, and they let it kind of bang around to a figure. I'm really oversimplifying, bastardizing. So. Um, is there a human? Is there a human teacher? Like back to the let's let's go back to the analogy you used about ch- human ch- human like children or dogs or pets or animals, cats that learn. But there's also there's often a human reinforcing right or wrong in that situation. Don't go here. Don't do that. That burns. That doesn't burn. You get a smack for that. You don't get a smack for that. Is yeah. that similar in the setting? Or am I being weird? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? This is the exciting thing about the field right now is there's this entire gamut. So you can start at the one end, which is um, alpha zero was the like completely learning from scratch how to play the game of Go uh, and just learning without any human input, not learning from human games, just learning by playing and playing a whole ton of games and learning whether it won or lost and what the right decisions and what the right moves to play along the way were. So no human input at all. And you can go all the way to the other end where 
it's a lot it's this idea of human in the loop machine learning where it is very much oh hey you need to try this or maybe show an example to a robot or show an example to an agent and have it learn from that example or kind of what you said you know maybe you're not showing it you're letting it kind of decide on its own but then you're saying oh bad or oh that was good and allowing it to learn from you know that signal that's coming in so it's one of the really exciting things um you know, in machine learning right now, we have somebody like Matt Taylor, who's in our research group, who studies heavily this uh, machine learning or this uh, human in the loop machine learning piece uh, to, you know, Rich Sutton, Adam White, um, who are really thinking about this and, you know, tabular rasa not not having human input and how would it learn, how would an agent learn um, itself along the way. So the sky's the limit is what I'm also hearing. Yeah, <laughs> it's really winding up. How do you guys, as 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 Amy, bridge the gap between, I guess, commercial applications or moving into the business second, the startup, the startup ecosystem? You know, some of the cool things that have happened in Edmonton, and obviously the, the large organizations that have been attracted there because what you guys do. How does that relationship exist? Because sometimes academia and enterprise, or academia and commercial, sometimes they don't they don't line up. Do you guys have a model in terms of how you execute on that? Yeah. So, you know, I can kind of start to continue to tell the Amy story and, um, you know, part I think we digress there for a second. That. Yeah, no, it's, it was a perfect segue. I don't know if you, you planned that, but perfect segue. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I try to be a good at this hosting game. I try to do it. <laughs> nice. Well, you, you're succeeding. Um, <laughs> Thanks, man. You know, I, I think when we talk about, so maybe, before I dive into that, the way I think about technology commercialization is more about the people than the technologies. and so. We overall, I think, overemphasize the idea of technologies and underemphasize the idea of talent. So we think about it as talent transfer from the university, not technology transfer. And if you look at all these things, yeah, there are some great things invented in university, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's the people that are doing those things and the people who are doing things with the technology that matter the most. So they're ones who are going to start the company. They're ones who are going to continue to iterate on it to build up more IP, they're going to continue to develop out the technology. All these things, these are all people doing them. Um, and it's far more about that talent than about the technology, in, in my opinion. So um, if you kind of continue the, the Amy story, so there's continued investment from the province. Um, there was some additional investment around um, health, which allows us to attract um, some researchers sp specific to health um, here. So that's why we have a very strong uh, machine learning precision health uh, um, component to our group. About almost four years ago now, the federal government poked their head up and went, whoa, we have this huge lead in two of the most important technologies in machine learning right now and some of the top minds here in the country. And we don't want to lose them. We want to be able to take advantage of this, not, you know, not the opposite. Um, and so they ended up being the, so Canada was the first country to have uh, national AI strategy with the Pan-Canadian AI program. And so they invested in the Canadian Institute for Advanced Research to be able to run this program in Montreal with uh, Mila, in Toronto with Vector, and in Edmonton with Amy as the three pillars of excellence in the country around machine learning. And so that was really this idea of can we continue to invest in, um, in the people doing this research and the talent that's being created by them. Um, so this was largely driven out of the, by all of the three centers with affiliates across some other universities across Canada. Um, as part of that, so we had existed as an institute within the University of Alberta 
we spun out a nonprofit um, to be able to do that. So part of that, that was a requirement of the Pan-Canadian AI program. To be kind of your own standalone, but not-for-profit entity. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was part of it. And then the other part was to be able to drive out um, kind of the other side and this piece that you were talking about, about how do we build up more of an AI industry here in the, here in the province and how do we leverage this incredible group that we're developing out at the U of A. And so those ended up, so those are the, basically the two pillars you can think of at Amy, which is continuing to support and build uh, capacity and continue to um, build the talent, technology, and expertise um, mm-hmm. at the university, which it's been doing incredibly for almost two decades now, continue to grow that and continue to do that. And then leverage that into building capacity in industry here. So that's the way we think of things is how do we, if machine learning is going to be this incredibly important thing and it's going to underlie every industry, then if we want to have competitive companies here in the province, we need to build that machine learning capacity in them. And largely that again is done through talent. So it's either placing talent, great talent that's created. It's either working with teams to be able to coach them along. So these are the types of things that we do, coach them along to be able to help build up the talent of their team. Or it's things like upskilling to be able to um, to be able to upskill either Albertans or you know people within companies um, you know in this technology and leverage that incredible base that we have an incredible you know like I said, some of the, our researchers have been studying this area since before I was born. And leveraging that knowledge and that expertise and that talent into building that capacity here in the province. That's it. Uh, students, you, you, you research like. Do you, do you guys have students? Do you have researchers? Like, what's the makeup? Like, Adam, sorry, man, I'm asking the most pedestrian questions. Yeah. I want to make sure I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, at the university, we have about 23 fellows. So those are our primary our primary researchers. Um, they would call principal investigators or, you know, every university kind of has their own term. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have 23 fellows and then, you know, fluctuating a little bit, but about 150 grad students um, are in that range. Um, so very large um, grad student group. If you kind of look around it, having 150, you know, students studying machine learning um, and studying fundamental machine learning is an extremely large grad group. Okay. So it's awesome. We're graduating a ton of incredible talent. That's awesome. Um, you know, in in the nonprofit itself, um, we have a we have an applied science team, uh, and these are scientists who are you know continue to do research. They're 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 <laughs> they're brilliant. Uh, but one of the really great things about them is this ability to marry that industry use of machine learning with the expertise that they that they have in fundamental machine learning. And that's they're a big part of that bridge piece. Um, so we have uh, you know, a six-person team there um, who's working specifically on that with industry to be able to help um, kind of get that talent or upskill talent um, in those companies through coaching them, through helping advise their teams as they're going through these things, that type of stuff. Curious question: Is is there any challenges around machine learning in general to get it out of the lab and into the the the, the, the quote unquote real world from a practical? Like, is there any point where it's like, ah, oh, this is pretty academic. I don't know how to bring it out and get it onto the production floor or out in the field or into my teams and my workflow. Is is there a gap there, or is that falling? Is that coming down? 
So again, it's one of these things that there's a spectrum. We have very theoretical people who are looking very much at the, like the underlying theory of something and being able to kind of create some of the, the building blocks there. And sometimes those are less like immediately translatable, um, kind of over to, you know, we have techniques that, you know, are being, are being worked on in a paper being published that will get used in industry the next day type thing. So some of it's just a gamut of the, the research that's being done. One of the big challenges right now is just the sheer amount of stuff, the sheer amount of research that's being done. So the field's exploded and there's thousands and thousands of papers feels, being that written. That feels like a success problem. <laughs> yeah. So it's awesome. The challenge is if you're in industry and you're coming in, well, where the heck do you start? And do I do this? And then, you know, you look at paper, you're like, well, I tried to do this. It didn't work. And, you know, really it's somebody at the lab. And this is where it's a huge advantage for us having this, you know, having this group in Alberta, because some of these are kind of like, they're not trade secrets. It's just somebody at the lab, you know, has written something or they know the code and they know what things been set, what, where. Um, And it's more like these things get told person to person, um, you know, about how to, how to make some of these things work. So that's part of it. And then the other you know, big part is being able to look at the thing holistically. And this is one of the things that we really, um, you know, that's really exciting to me about the, the, sci- the scientists that we have is that it's looking at, the, looking at an industry problem and then being able to think about the, the data there and what they're, what they're trying to do with it and be able to coach their team around, here's what this like, challenge that you're hitting it here, here's the like, underlying data piece that's going on and here's some of the latest research, or here's research that was done 20 years ago um, that uh, that you might want to take a look at that that could give you a hand or could could help you there. And some of it's just having um, you know somebody there to be able to help them along and to be able to coach them through what some of those opportunities are, especially if a group's kind of new to this, because otherwise you just kind of grab the latest paper, the latest thing, and go, okay, I'll try and I'll try and run this on my data, and you know it doesn't end up necessarily working for you. Yeah. Are you, it could be so, yeah. How do you eat an elephant? Kind of one bite at a time, right? Um, exactly. How much for you guys, are you seeing a trend or are you certainly, are you seeing a movement where companies on like, you know, whether enterprise mid or even startups, there's a real, like, are, are, is there more of an appetite towards this and to try it? And the reason I ask, I had, um, uh, Nassim Bashar from Williams Engineering on, and he was talking about, he goes, you know, we made this decision then we spent a year and a half staring at our data to figure out if we had anything worth doing anything with the first place. And he just talked about how much appetite it took to believe that while you're, while you're not doing anything except for thinking about thinking. <laughs> and, you know, I really appreciate that that can really derail or maybe not even get a project out of the gate. Yeah, you know, and I think there's there all of these things like once you start getting into like change management and organizations and how they're thinking about what this means for the future of their organization, these all become it's more than just, you know, whether or not an algorithm works or doesn't work. There's all these different pieces. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that we do is we, you know, we have some training specifically for executives and managers around, you know, what machine learning is. And just so that they could start to wrap their head around, you know, what is this technology? How can it be used in my business? How can I identify, how do I identify opportunities? And then how do I make sure like, okay, it's not just about saying, yeah, there could be an opportunity here, but what are the components I need to be able to make that successful? So this is the type of thing that will, will help because we have seen that as something very important to companies is that they're, 
if their executive doesn't understand it or their managers don't understand it, it becomes tough to drive this project internally without that kind of support, um, you know, from, you know, from some of the upper levels of, uh, of management. So that's, a, that tends to be a big challenge. Um, you know, and then just trying to think about what that means for your organization overall. Um, so there's a book called prediction machines. I would recommend people check out. Um, and one of the things they talk about is, you know, what would like, think about an area of your business and how would it change if you could pr- predict that personally? So you are perfectly or really well think about what, if Amazon could predict exactly what I wanted at this moment, or would 99%, how would that, how would that change what they're doing? Well, they just start delivering me things because they knew I wanted it at that moment. Right. Um, so it's a great section of that book when he walks through the whole, like where it's actually, it's, they'll be more successful by sending you what they pretty sure you're going to use versus having the cost it's going to take them for the odd time you do ship it back. That's pretty scary when you start thinking about, you know, where the, the, the machine knows you better than your, your spouse or your friend or whoever in your life. Yeah. (laughs) Because because they pay more attention. They don't forget. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Well, and I mean, you know, there's all the, there's, and it's definitely something we have to think about as we're developing out these systems and what does this mean and you know what you know biases are getting encoded in this day and all of this. Yeah, um, that's, a big, that's a big rabbit hole that almost feels like its own podcast. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Data biases and data sovereignty, and that's yeah. a, that is a that's a, that's a tricky road to navigate. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's like you said, that's its own. Maybe we that's just its park own that rabbit hole. But yeah, we'll we'll park that one. We'll get somebody who can speak to it. You know, far better than I can. Um, but you know, if you think about this, you know, they also, what would it change if you could predict exactly when a piece of equipment was going to break down, uh, and how would that change how you're going to operate? And, you know, you can kind of continue this, this, um, the, you know, this thought process. So this is, you know, overall what we're trying to help, you know, it's, you know, these are the types of things and help companies and managers be able to get these mental models and the idea of how you actually start to put together the case and identify opportunities for this. Um, we've seen a, a huge thing in Alberta now, like the, the number of companies either that outside that want to set up here, you know, you can look at DeepMind as a great example, the number of companies who exist here, um, who are going, okay, I need to, I know that this is going to affect me. I need to, what do I need to do to not have to both mitigate the downside and also be part of the upside of what's going to be, what's going to happen here. And then new startups be created that are enabled by machine learning and maybe either couldn't do this before if you know some of these things didn't exist or it's making their product product so much better. So I've definitely seen a lot of that here in Alberta. So curious from your guys' perspective as as an organ as an institute, as an organization, as as a kind of pillar of this in our community, whether it's from the pan-Canadian perspective or simply as as part of Alberta, if we just put if we put up the walls, that's a bad joke these days. If we just talk about if we just talk about Alberta, what do you guys have KPIs or like things that you look at? Is it do you look at startups in our ecosystem? Do you look at the talented individuals that you're graduating out there? Like what do you guys measure around around impact either internally or in your ecosystem? Yeah. And I mean, some of them are more holistic and anybody who's been in the uh, tech ecosystem for long enough, you know, they know that these things can end up kind of being games unto themselves. Um, you know, you know, great. Our grads have raised over half a billion dollars in venture capital. The alumni of, of our, uh, you know, our, our alumni um, companies that have worked with us have, um, you know, raised, I, I think in the last couple of years have raised like a hundred million dollars. Um, I think it's a little bit above that now. 
to say that we like were the sole reason for any of that of, is of you know are, insane. Are any of those um, that, that you look at on your strap plan and say like, hey, if we're, if we're like, that's what we're shooting for. Like, what, I guess you know, I appreciate looking at it and say, hey, we contributed to this. You're right; there was a myriad of factors. But just curious, it's being I just see you guys having such a positive impact on this on yeah. Alberta ecosystem here in Edmonton. But you know, we're 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 in it together, and if it's attracting people here, if it's attracting talent, but also generating talent, those feel all like very measurable KPIs that hold up pretty quickly against this economic transformation, which is kind of the underpinning of this whole show of what are, what are we doing to set us up now today, but also 10 and 20 and 30 years from now. Yeah. And so those are big things. We look at like the number of you know people placed, like our grads who are placed here, staying here, um, you know, startups being enabled by AI, one of the big things that we look at, we talk to companies about is this idea of a machine learning adoption spectrum. And so that's, you know, companies going from, hey, I think I know this is important. <laughs> I just, you know, this could be something I need. They're very, very early on to finding that proof, first proof of concept to having something, you know, deployed and out there to it being core to what that company does. And there's this kind of spectrum. So one of the big things for us is, how do we move companies here? How do we help them move up that spectrum? Because uh, this, you know, this early piece is often very low hanging fruit. You can find something that gives you, you know, some advantage or you know, improve some process. But really, once you're getting to this piece where machine learning is core to what you're doing or is a big part of what you're doing, it kind of goes back to that piece I was saying earlier. You know, this is starting to change how you think about what you're delivering to your customers this is when you start to have this like competitive advantage and you're, you're getting out in front of your Sometimes when you read some case studies could actually change your business. Completely, yeah, it can change your business. And so that's one of the big things for us is where, where do companies exist on the adoption spectrum and how can we help move them up, uh, up the adoption spectrum? Because the more companies we have at that higher level, the more people they're going to hire, the more competitive advantage they're going to have, um, you know, here in the, here in the province, these are the types of things that we want to drive. Right. And I'm going to do a blatant plug for you guys, you know, yeah. about slash what we do, AI adoption spectrum. I literally, I had that up on my screen waiting for a chance to work it in and you, you brought it out because I was like, oh, it's such, it was just such a nice graphic to go, all right, this is, you're either exploring, you're initiating. So it's a great visual if anybody wants to just help get a, get a thought around it. If we had a different show, I'd pull up the slide <laughs> and show it, but anyways, we'll, we'll send people, we'll send people to your website. No, I appreciate that everyone's at, at, at different stages and each of those stages is going to have its own challenges and its, and its own opportunities. Yeah. So maybe big, a bigger question. It's maybe an interesting one. The role, the role of government, municipals, provincial, you guys obviously had a lot of history of being funded at the right time to bring you forward. So when you think about today and the current, you know, Alberta ecosystem from a, from a political standpoint, and we can take this wherever, I guess, what role do you see the government playing in terms of encouraging or discouraging potentially tech innovation in our province? And just understanding all the different players and the nuanced roles that we all, we all play in making Alberta what we want it to be, which is, you know, arguably a little bit different than it is today. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that like we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the provincial government making that investment. Um, you know, our researchers would still exist, but elsewhere <laughs> in the world. Um, you know, but the fact that we have that concentration here is because of that investment, you know, by the province. Um, you know, so I think it's a, such a big part of what we do. Then the growth of it has been a combination of investment from the province and investment from the feds. Um, you know, so I think that's, um, you know, that has been a huge part of our story. One of the big things, and I think it's this very important part of 
tech ecosystems overall is these are like multi, multi-year investments. If you want to be able to build a tech ecosystem and you want to obviously see some results early on, but you know, if you look at the Bay area, I mean, this is like a hundred years of tech now in the Bay area and a hundred years of investment there. Um, you can kind of go through the different ecosystems and the amount, you know, that, that the tech ecosystem in New York is smaller, but you know, still many years of investment in Waterloo, same thing. Um, you know, so I think one of the big things that, you know, provincial federal governments can do is make those investments and make sure that there is that long-term investment, that long-term vision of, uh, of, um, what you want, what you want things to become. And so that to me is like maybe the, maybe the biggest part. And that's what, you know, it gives that underlying piece that attracts people here. It allows, um, you know, the creation of what I think is the most important thing for any tech ecosystem, which is talent. It's pretty much all driven off of talent. Um, you know, so that to me is the, the, really, really big role that the government uh, is able to play and has played here in the province. I appreciate that. That, that, You know, and it's so easy to look and say, oh, we're going to be, you know, you look at Silicon Valley and try to be a bit of that and look at Waterloo and try and be a bit of that. Arguably, we are going to be whatever we are and we have to come up with our, with our version of it. And that, that, that does, that does take time. From that perspective, anything that you see, and this, maybe this is a bit of a blue sky kind of crystal ball question at the same time, anything that's ownable for us in this province? Like I've had people say, you know, like industrial data, if there's anywhere that can handle that, like Alberta's got reams of it, we're good at it, we can be better. Or, hey, no, maybe we should focus on this over here from a technology perspective is there any is there any one aspect that we could or has there's an opportunity to lean in on or more do you see it as more of a broader broader suite of of options yeah you know i think first of all you have to have that broad like set of talent because if you look at where companies are looking to invest if you look at an investor going do i want to invest in this company or if i invest am i going to tell them they have to move the biggest argument always comes down to talent. That is like the number one first pass thing. And we, for the most part, especially on the engineering side, we tend to be very good or the you know, programmer side, the like technical talent, we tend to be good at developing here and tend to have a pretty strong um, base there. I think that we need to look at like very core pillars that we can be the best in the world at, or basically say like, what are we one, two, three in the world? Um, yep. Obviously, some of that self-serving because you know we're one of the top places for AI You've in the world. You got microphone as well, Cam. So, so yeah, you can yeah, say whatever exactly. you want. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I mean, it's one of the things that I believe. Like you, we are top three in the world, and arguably the most important technology in the world. So this is a huge pillar a that we can build little, off that's of. That's pretty. You got two good solid points on the pyramid right there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's, it is thinking about that. Like what things, what really, you know, what are these really big pillar core competitive advantage pieces do we have? Now, the one that I care about and I know the most about is AI, but you know, I'm, I know that we have a few others in the province that we can really, really invest heavily in and really think that like, this is an area that we can be an absolute world leader in. Um, now you can start to narrow that down a little bit or start to look at some sub areas that are worthwhile investing. We are barring on the world leaders in reinforcement learning. We have an incredible group here. Rich Sutton's the father of reinforcement learning. Some of the biggest advances in RL have come from here. 
huge opportunity to be able to to be able to take advantage of that. Um, you can look at things like Precision Health, where we have a great group there. We have a single health, single user health system. Um, big opportunity in health and health data. Whole bunch of questions around how health data gets managed and privacy back, and all back this. Back to the privacy. Back to big. that privacy podcast. Totally. I would do it another day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So totally a big thing there, but enormous opportunity when you look at the amount of money that's being spent in health. Um, when you look at uh, the amount, the opportunity and what we're seeing. I mean, $22 we, billion spent in healthcare. You think we could cleave off a couple dollars to maybe yeah. use some technologies to make things more efficient and, and improve patient care? Yeah, like huge amount spent in, in this area. A vaccine, we were able to get to what looks like a successful vaccine in eight months, nine months. Like this is incredible. And so the speed that thing, that uh, this area is moving and is going to get even more accelerated by machine learning, huge opportunity there. Uh, and because we have this kind of single uh, user health system and this uh, data set there, there's a big opportunity there um, to be able to combine that, you know, uh, talent and uh, talent and data. Um, to be able to do some really awesome things. Um, so you can start to look at these like intersection areas. It's one of the things that I talk, um, I was on a research working group with some of the other post-secondaries and um, I've had a chance to talk to a number of them and start to say like, what are the, like, what are two areas that we can overlap that right. there's like, this doesn't exist anywhere else, you know, in the world type thing. Uh, you know, and think about like, okay, if we're incredible at, uh, you know, machine learning, uh, here and you know, a, a different post-secondary, we're incredible. A different area. How do we make sure that there's those connection and overlapping points between the two? And you know, across the province, we can create these you know intersection areas of talent that just like are incredibly rare, uh, and that's a huge, huge opportunity for us. That's an interesting concept. I like that. I like that a lot. I've been chatting with that Tim Raleigh from Mount Royal. I had. Um uh, Mishak Wabu, who's the new president of Bo Valley. I just chatted with Viz Naidu from Say today. So I'm reaching out and having a lot of those guests on the podcast specifically because I do believe educate and yourself, education is so critical. Is there that level of collaboration between the post-secondaries that people are going, yeah, okay, you go on and this, we'll go in on that, but together we'll create this amazing group of humans <laughs> that can then take, a, take us forward. Like, is there that level of collaboration happening? Because that sounds pretty, uh, that sounds pretty awesome from my view. Yeah, I mean... I'm sure everything, you know, has some political element to it or, you know, people are, we'll yeah. ruin this conversation. We're getting <laughs> too political. <laughs> well, no, I, I more mean just like everybody, you know, is going to look out for their institution and you know, that course. type of thing. I will say as part of this research working group, um, you know, the, the VPRs, the vice presidents of research, um, were part of this from, you know, four of the major, um, research institutions in the province, regularly talked, worked well together, supported each other. Um, so it was very impressive to see. Uh, so I think, you know, to an extent it's happening, um, you know, and I think this mentality of not just trying to spread this thin layer of things across the entire province, but to say, here's a few very great pillars, and then just making sure that we have those connections. in. I, you know, I, I, I would say to an extent, we, were, we saw that happen there. 
That's that's exciting. Like you said, it starts slowly and then all of a sudden, but you know, moves in, moves in a direction. You and I talked about this even a little more before we pushed the record button about you know, kind of Alberta or Western Canada not being great for telling our own story. I've got I grew up in Montreal, a lot of friends in Montreal, and they're very quick to tell me of like, oh, Montreal, we have AI, we have this big tech, it's great, it's amazing here. When I talk to people from Alberta, Calgary, or Edmonton, I don't I don't hear that. And is it just because we're still see ourselves as that oil and gas province? Which don't get me wrong, I think energy is going to be a critical part of our future. I'm not saying that, yeah, but it feels like it's it feels like other 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 things to be known for are having a hard time edging their way into the story i don't know any any thoughts on just do we just got to yell louder what like sorry that sounds oversimplified but thoughts on like getting known for other things yeah you know i think a big part of it is just we're not used to bragging and telling our own story um part of it too is just we're in an industry now where um you know people aren't coming to us for a commodity uh and you know, coming, we're great at, great at delivering on this commodity, but for the most part, people are coming to us for it. Uh, whereas this is very much, uh, you're out selling, you're out pitching, you're out marketing. And that just, I think, hasn't been as much of what we have done as a, you know, as a province and how we've thought about things. And so a big part of what we need to do right now is telling this story. I mean, that we were saying, I was saying before, I mean, you could start to pick off so many of these things. One of the top AI groups in the in the world. We had a Nobel Prize winner at the U of A this year. Like this should be something everybody in the province is bragging about like crazy. Total um, sense of pride. That's awesome. Yeah, really you can hear you talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you can start to look at things like diabetes research. You can start to look at companies that you know, like Jobber, that's affecting um, you know a ton of small business and in like uh, in field businesses. Um, you know, and you, Benevity, Okaki, who, you know, we did some work with them around, um, uh, prediction of, uh, opioid overdoses. Like these companies are doing incredible things. They're really cool things. We're doing them here in the province. And it's just a matter of like, we should grab the biggest bullhorn we can get and start yelling about them. Cause this is the thing that other provinces and other locales are yelling about. They're, they're bragging about it like crazy. And we just need like a, a lot of it is happening here and we need to do way, way more about bragging about it. I really like your comparison to, you know, resources, people come and buy them from us. We don't have to go out and, you know, when I have a friend who says, you know, I work in oil and gas marketing, I'm like, well, that's means something very different when I say I work in marketing, which means something completely different. And, you know, where you're out there selling and crafting your message and getting it right. And Hey, we've got some light crew. Do you want it? Yeah. Okay, good. Done. Deal's done. You know, I'm going to get slapped by a bunch of oil and gas for oversimplifying that, but it is a very interesting, different mindset. No different than the investor ecosystem. They were very used to and comfortable investing in a certain type of model to then start small, sell to a big. And then that was the cycle where this whole like, you know, trial and fail and learn and the startup model, it's, it's a different mindset. And I, much as I like to, you know, bust everybody's balls, it takes time to learn and adapt to a new way of doing things. And I think, I think you really captured it on, we didn't have to get out and tell our story. People just came and bought our, bought our stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, like you said, I'm sure yeah, there, there's far more to it in that, in, the, in that industry yeah. than that. But, you know, it just, I think that it is a pretty big mentality shift. And, you know, I like to tell, you know, startups and companies here, like it's a big wide world out there. Like, oh, there's a whole bunch of customers out there. You should be trying to sell to them, get in front of them, get get messages in front of them. Um, and I think we we haven't had to do as much of that as a province in the past. Now we do. It's forced on us now. And it's just time to get, you know, really, really loud and really brag about the, this isn't making stuff up. This is just 
bragging about the incredible things we are already doing. What's the old joke? It's not bragging if it's true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, we forever we talk about the tech industry as something that could happen here in the province. It's not that it could happen. It's happening. Like yeah. thousands and thousands and thousands of people are employed by this and it's making millions and billions of dollars here. So huge industry, like it's happening. It needs to grow. Um, but yeah, this isn't something that maybe could happen one day. Yeah. But like you said, we're like back to that tree joke. It's when you plant a tree 20 years ago, you guys did that with what happened at Amy and you got moved in the right direction. But how do we keep capitalizing when you compare it to us a hundred year timeline in the Valley or, you know, uh, you know, Waterloo and Kitchener and some of their story, which goes back and, and had the big, you know, obviously had rim the story we all know about and some of those big anchors, you know, we've got some of those, some pretty amazing stories here and some, some exits and some cycling. And I think it's happening and slowly, even the last 14 months of doing this podcast. And also maybe it's just because who I'm talking to. Biases that that the world creates. Yeah, it's Stockholm syndrome going. More stories going on that I'm hearing, and it's very it's very inspiring. Yeah. So curious, we got you got a crystal ball. You got you you have a magic wand, but maybe a crystal ball beside. You got the whole you have the whole setup. But let's start with the magic wand. Anything that you would go, you know what? If I knocked out of the way, we could, you know, obviously we talked about telling our story louder, but is there anything that we're doing in this province from your perspective, you know, not to be negative, but this holding us back. Let's talk about it in a way that if we could fix it or change it or remove it or add to it, what would that, what would that magic wand look like? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest things from my perspective is just the, that part where I said that's this like multi-year long-term thing. We need to be able to make those investments and we need to like, Part of it's the story that it tells. And so you can like, dislike, whatever you decide about the war room. I won't make a comment about that. But what it is, is it's a signal that this is something that the province cares about. And they've invested in that. And so we need, so these things are signals to the entire world and they're signals to ourselves. So one of the biggest things is, are we investing? Are we showing that this is something that we care about? Because when you know Microsoft goes and says, should I invest in a location? Their whole thing is, what's the talent going to be there? Is this going to be long-term or is this a one-year thing? You know, What does that look like? When a startup is taking money from investors, investors are asking, should you stay there? Can you hire 200, 500 people there? Um, if we're dumping a bunch of money in you, can you be a big company in this place? Or are you going to have you know, an office here and an office somewhere else, or, you know, basically move your company somewhere else. You know, these are the questions that people are asking. And so it's a big signal to everybody that we make these long-term investments and say, we are committed to this as an industry. We're very, very committed to the oil and gas industry. And it's obvious to everybody that this is a big commitment. We should be sending the same signals about our technology industry and about that we're in it for the long term because that's going to be what attracts outside investment whether it's companies setting up here investors setting up here startups staying and growing here these are all the things that we want these are the signals that we need to be sending yeah some of those stories like deep like deep mind setting up in edmonton things like that those are the stories that go give permissibility to those other groups that are peering over the wall going is this somewhere i want to go and like you know we live in a world where somebody's got to be first but there's often a bigger list of people willing to be second or third but you've got to get those signals out there <laughs> yeah yeah so i think that's just a it's a huge thing as a province um mm-hmm. and you know i think 
both cities are getting to this point. I would say Calgary's probably doing a little bit more than Edmonton right now and that just rallying around this as an opportunity. And I don't just mean machine learning. I mean tech. I think I think the okay. cities and the the leaders around it, like, you know, really, really need to need to rally around this. You saw, you know, a great example of this was in Toronto where the the business community, the government, everybody was like, here's Vector. This is incredibly important. Toronto, we want to be the world leaders in AI. We want to be the world leaders in tech. And we have to rally around this and invest in order for us to be there. Um, and you just saw like the attention and everything that uh, that happened because of it. And the mentality shift inside Toronto, never mind outside of Toronto, um, you know, was, was fantastic. I think we need to do more of that in the province. Obviously, I think we need to do a lot of that machine learning. Um, and You're realize, entitled to have your bias. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. okay. It's okay. I, mean, <laughs> I, won't, I won't turn down the opportunity to say I think that it should be machine learning. And I think machine learning is something. And Amy, you know, we've worked with companies in both cities. It's pretty close to half and half as far as you know, companies that we've worked with in Edmonton and Calgary have been able to leverage this opportunity here. And it's really you know, rallying and saying, this is this huge opportunity that we have here. And this is going to be what the future of our cities are in our provinces. Now, machine learning, again, and Amy's one example, I think tech overall, and you look at our tech ecosystems, I think that we really, really need to need to rally around that and have this big thing that we're saying, this is incredible. We, this is important and we're going to back it. Uh, and just like more than anything else, that message is, is huge. And so I do think that like, like I said, I've probably seen a little bit more in Calgary's tech community around them really rallying together and starting to be kind of louder about the the opportunity there. You're seeing it to an extent in Edmonton, but both cities in the province, we should be we should be bragging about this and just and absolutely making that commitment to to this area of tech in general. That's interesting um, to, to hear you say that about Calgary and the perspective of what you've seen because you know even six months, eight months ago, not so much recently, I had people like, oh, geez, you know, the startup ecosystem in Edmonton is a little bit more advanced and it's a little bit more favorable and there's more company doing unique things there. And, and I was like, oh, really? And I got, you know, when you're not in an ecosystem, you don't know. And then to hear you kind of almost say the same thing back that there's a lot of things going on in Calgary from that perspective, almost a little bit more. It's just, it's interesting. I always, I always appreciate the view from outside yeah. the, outside the bubble. You know what I mean? I think Calgary's being louder about it. I think both cities, okay. like this is the yeah, thing that, may, that, okay, that's fair. Yeah. This is the thing that happens with these, you know, with tech ecosystems, especially very young ones is that it all goes in waves so you'd be like oh well this year we have so many like this amount of extra capital and this and this and then like oh there hasn't been like that much fundraising for the last six months and they're just it's smaller so things go in waves and then you know you'll have a company raise you know drivewise just raised 60 million dollars and um uh who was it just raised 70 million dollars in calgary they always get the news yeah sure. they always yeah. get the news and like you have these big spikes and also it's like all right things are great again look at how much money was invested um, but those are just these, I, I do appreciate the wave and the recency effect that we have. Yeah. Events, right? So these things go in waves. I remember talking to, you know, Boris Wirtz, who's, a um, at version one ventures, uh, in Vancouver, been very big at growing the Vancouver ecosystem. And he said the same thing. And I mean, you could say their, their ecosystem's probably more robust and he's just like, yeah, haven't seen as many deals right now in Vancouver that I would invest in. And then, you know, that changes at a different point in time. It's just, these things go in waves. Now, I appreciate that it is cycles and hopefully companies are moving to that next, whether they did their their angel round or yeah. their series A or series B and kind of where they are in the cycle. And the bigger the number, the more media it gets, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you want the million dollar raise doesn't up. get the same media that the, the $70 million raise gets. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like this is, 
you know, we always laugh. So I co-founded Startup Edmonton and this was, you know, like 10 years ago or you know, longer than that now, as I start to feel really old, um, <laughs> you know, we, if, if you were to go back in time and be like, Hey, look, here's what's going to happen in, you know, approximately 10 years, there's going to be this many, uh, financings at this size, DeepMind's going to have an office there. Google Brain's going to have an office there. You know, these large companies are going to invest, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like you kind of go down, like list all of the things at the time. We'd be like, if we can get half of that, we'll be happy. Like this sounds incredible. And, you know, and at the time, like you said, there was news stories, such and such a company raises a million dollars. This is incredible. Um, you know, and now it's like the same thing. It's like this company raised $15 million or $50 million are more the ones that are, are getting the news. And that's great. That's a great sign, but we're kind of in it. Um, you know, we're, we're in the, we're in the water at the time. So you don't notice the temperature. Um, so <laughs> the frog on the stove. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so if, if you ask a fish about the temperature of the water, they say what water? Yeah, water yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, it's very interesting to hear. I really, I really appreciate your perspective, and I've, been, I've personally been running into you guys more and more, even in the last twelve months, from guests I've had in the show and reading stuff. So to be able to have you come on and kind of unpack and give me and hopefully my audience a real deep understanding of what you know a- Amy is all about. We even gave a little crash course on what AI, machine learning, deep learning, you know, reinforcement learning. So you got me a new. I got RLs, my new acronym. So thank you today. I awesome. Up on my acronyms. <laughs> No, it is it is a deep rabbit hole when you start going down and it get and it gets kinda and it gets pretty abstract pretty fast when you talk about neural nets and versus stopping and going back going, what you know, prediction machines was a great read that probably lit my fire. I, I think it was uh Lucas Shear over at uh Alt ML, he's the one who put that. He's like, Tyler, read this first book. If you're not hooked, you won't be. And I was. So that was this story. <laughs> but when they start talking about what would happen if you could make low cost reliable predictions in your business, just thinking about it that way all of a sudden it started to make sense at a, at a whole new level. I appreciate that you referenced that. So if anybody's interested, go and grab that book. It's a, it's a, it's an easy read, but it's still a thinking read. It's good. It'll, it'll let you, it'll leave you feeling like you kind of peered behind the curtain a little bit. That was my feeling anyway. You got you on it a bit, it, but it's a good one. Um, yeah. There's a couple of pages I'd kind of half like be like reading it late at night. I'm like, oh, I gotta go read, I gotta go read that page again. That, didn't <laughs> quite, that couldn't quite settle in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Totally. Cam, what's the best way? Obviously, uh, amy.ca, uh, I.ca, great website. You guys had to spend some time on it earlier today. You make te- you make a make an AI machine learning um, institute look very approachable and friendly. You guys did an excellent job on your site that way. Well, um, our, our marketing way and out? design team did an incredible job. It was, uh, yeah, they did a brilliant job yeah, on our well, website. I, we love I, it. I thought it was great. Mm. Really, don't no, jumped out. What, what's the best way? If someone wants to reach out, get a hold of you, you know, learn more about doing some training, learning because do you guys do entry level stuff as well? Like people can start like ground floor and get involved right up to at the fellowship level. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, check out our website and I'll help guide you through whatever you know the right path that you're looking for. There is, um, you know, you can reach out to hello at amy.ca. Um, you know, if you're generally interested, but usually the best way is to you know, to check our, our site, we have a big get in touch button. <laughs> you can click on that. And, you do. You know, yeah, yeah, big shiny buttons. Yeah, right exactly. Nice. Exactly. I mean, it'll, it'll get you to the, it'll get you to the right place um, for what you're, what you're trying to look for. So always happy to connect with, uh, connect with folks. Cam, I appreciate you taking the time today. I appreciate your insights your, and your clear passion for uh, f- passion for the, su- the subject matter. And I look forward to, I look forward to, I'll, I will chase you down again because as I think this journey is, a, we have a lot of journey to unfold ahead of us. And I think I'm excited that AI and machine learning in our province and all the other acronyms are going to play a really significant role. So kudos to the work you guys are doing and thanks for taking the time to uh, chat with me today.
Yeah. Hey, thanks so much, Tyler. I appreciate it. Um, it's like I said, we don't tell our story enough here in the province. And so um, for you to be telling stories about, you know, both Edmonton and Calgary and what we're doing overall here as a province, I think is awesome. And, um, you know, it's just it's kudos to all the people who are continuing to work and continuing to drive stuff forward and continuing to tell our great message. So I appreciate that from you, Tyler. It's awesome, man. My, my absolute pleasure. Thank you.